1: big sale at Half Price Books. Big sale at Half Price Books. What's better than discovering the best books, music, and movies at Half Price Books? Saving 20% on everything you find. That's right. It's going on now. Get 20% off your entire HPB haul, including new releases, bestsellers, your favorite classics, even collectibles. Find what you love and what you didn't even know you were looking for. And save 20% on everything at Half Price books and HPB.com. Big, big sale at Half Price Books.
3: are listening to a special edition of Bird of His Radio. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter at Corain and with me is Sean Siegel on Twitter at ff underscore contrarian. Sean, what's going on?
2: Not too much. Just did the the long drive back and forth. We had the the great Christmas vacation uh, in Kansas City and and the debut of Pat Mahomes. So uh, a lot of a lot of exciting NFL developments. It, interesting week in that. For many people, the most exciting game was one that featured a backup quarterback, but yeah, we have a lot of coaching decisions to talk about, the playoffs to talk about. Obviously want to uh, promote Pete Overdett's appearance in our other show as much as possible since uh, Pete is always fantastic. And we have Blair coming on to do a great discussion of a zero running back and rookie running backs article that he wrote this week. Uh, Blair is fantastic, so looking forward to that. Um.
3: Yep, and that's uh, that's Blair Andrews of the Road of His Report, and uh, as Sean mentioned, and the reason I say this was a special edition is that this week we have two episodes of the show. Uh, we just dropped uh, one with Peter Overzet um, covering kind of the FFPC uh, playoff um, uh, tournament, and also just looking ahead at some of the you know the playoff games coming up. And then um, in this episode is in addition to the interview with Blair, we're going to be looking at some of the coaching vacancies and what kind of impact that may have. Um, but Sean, I mean, I, I feel like you undersold it here like with Pat Mahomes and, and your excitement level. Cause we, we have, we have some show notes and, uh, in, in the notes here, you have arm arm strength of Matthew Stafford, mobility of Russell Wilson, accuracy of Drew Brees, release of Aaron Rodgers. It seems like you're, uh, you're kind of excited with what you saw in week 17
2: right so so we finally see what the chiefs have seen in mahomes we see why they traded all of that uh, draft capital to get up and get him even though they plan to play a different quarterback this season so we have a we have a team that's playing a separate quarterback career year in his own right for alex smith uh, but has all kinds of salary cap issues and now will not have as much in the way of draft picks next year to to replenish for uh you know trying to fill out the roster that has these salary cap issues so when when you get to see mahomes you're definitely hoping that he can be this franchise savior because there could be plenty of cap casualties and then he comes through with this fantastic performance against the denver broncos using backups he uh, targets albert wilson repeatedly uh, you know doesn't have tyreek hill doesn't have travis kelsey Uh, So Skeleton Crew moves the team at will. They even went to a a fullback for their running back most of the game. And and he looked absolutely fantastic. So, you know, a a little bit of... Hyperbole there, obviously, uh, probably not quite the level of mobility that we see from Russell Wilson. And certainly, you know, it's it's way too early. It's way too early to give him any of these characteristics, but certainly the accuracy of, of a Drew Brees. But he he showed everything you could possibly want, you know, rolling to his right, throwing back across his body 30 yards, uh, just hitting wide receivers right in the chest. So uh, it's an exciting time to be a, a Kansas City fan when you have Alex Smith looking the best that he's ever looked in and leading them into the playoffs. And then you have a future with a potential franchise quarterback uh, after they passed on Deshaun Watson to make that pick. Uh, they, they were in a similar situation, I think to the Cleveland Browns and, and plenty of other teams who passed and And now it looks like not that he's going to be Watson. We've already seen that, that Watson is an impending superstar, maybe the most exciting player in the league going forward, but Matt uh, Mahomes looks, looks excellent in his own right.
3: And what do you think the right way uh, for the Chiefs to play this is?
2: Well, it's a difficult situation because I don't think you can sit on him too much longer. You have the the contract control for a certain period of time. Obviously, they'll uh, wield things like the, uh, the franchise tag in the future. But you have this window where you have a, a quarterback with a contract that is Uh, manageable and then you can build around him unfortunately with the Chiefs they're also paying another quarterback a huge amount of money so they're not really going to be taking that uh, taking advantage of that the way that a different team might and especially when he looks ready at this point you know there you can't help but have a little bit of regret however just because he looked ready in week 17 certainly doesn't mean that he would have been ready in week one or or week six Uh, it's it's more of a a question i think for for next season and alex smith probably goes back into that quarterback market uh via some some type of trade or, or other roster decision and uh, you know into a, a market that has a lot of quarterback need but also a lot of intriguing quarterback possibilities so we'll talk about that on next week's show
3: awesome okay so uh Let's dive into some of these coaching openings, which are kind of the more pressing thing here. Uh, before we do that, I uh, want to talk about SeatGeek. Uh, excited to have uh, SeatGeek on as a sponsor here. i uh, been using SeatGeek for a while. Great app. Uh, it's barf- by far the easiest way that I found to shop for tickets, um, sports tickets, uh, concert tickets, whatever. Uh, you can just go on a couple taps Instantly find your seats. Um, they kind of rate the uh, the seat by like how good of a uh, a deal it is, which I think is cool. Makes it a lot easier to find uh, find tickets and um, make sure that you're uh, you're paying a good price for them. So, uh, you know, you should have a SeatGeek app. SeatGeek app. If you do not, uh, you're in luck because. If you're a Rotovis radio listener, you can get $20 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code RVRADIO, promo code RVRADIO for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Seriously, download the app. If you've not used it, it's great. Um, all right, let's get into uh, these uh, these coaching vacancies. Uh, quite, a, uh, quite a Black Monday here. Um, uh, slash, you know, post-week 17 and, and already rumors of, of of who some of these uh, coaching vacancies might be filled here as we get later in, uh, in the week. But, yeah, let's just run down here. Uh, fired coaches, Jim Caldwell, John Fox, Jack Del Rio, Chuck Pagano, uh, Bruce Arians retiring, uh, and then some surprising uh, coaches that didn't get fired. Marvin Lewis, he survives. Hugh Jackson survives after going zero and sixteen for now. I, I, I still got. I think he's fired, uh, you know, slash replaced before uh, the, a new season begins. But uh, still alive right now. And then Dirk Cutter, I think, also pretty shocking that that he managed to keep his job after a uh, incredibly disappointing season for the Bucks. So, what do you think about all of that, Sean? The guys that got fired uh, or or left, as in the case of Bruce Arians, and then the guys who didn't.
2: Well, we can definitely see that the different expectations in different markets and for different teams really inform what the general manager and the owner decide to do in terms of the head coach. And, and a lot of it just comes down to whether or not you have a quarterback, which may or may not be the complete way to to evaluate your head coach. It's interesting because we have Jeff Fisher talking about wanting to get back Into the league, and you look at some of his recent quarterbacks, you know, you have Case Keenum, you have Nick Foles, you have Jared Goff. All of those guys are going to be playing on highly seeded teams in the NFC playoffs. Foles, obviously, mostly by virtue or completely by virtue of the injury there, but guys who are going to be trusted in the playoffs. Yeah, and you don't
3: need Foles to make the case. It's like Goff and Keenum are going to be, you know, They've had amazing seasons. They both had amazing seasons after looking like absolute garbage under uh, John Fox. It's just amazing. Like, that's such an indictment of him as a coach.
2: I think so. And then you look at the situation and you see Hugh Jackson, who uh, is basically being given a pass on a 1-31 stretch because of the quarterback situation. And I mean, that's almost a situation where Jackson is making someone like Jeff Fisher look like a combination of Bill Belichick and Vince Lombardi. I mean, we're we're talking about someone who uh, is is getting a free pass on incredibly poor play from the team, poor in-game decisions, poor preparation. You have that final game of the season where, the Pittsburgh Steelers are uh, benching anyone on their team who is competent at all. And the Browns still can't come through. I think that's disappointing for Cleveland fans It's disappointing for fantasy owners of some of those key players who certainly are hoping for uh, a breakout next season for someone like Josh Gordon, someone like Corey Coleman, you know, better usage of the running backs and, you know, just you want to see good football. So that's, that's disappointing. When you look at the openings that we have now, how would you rank them in terms of their desirability? We have the Lions with Stafford there. We have the Colts with Luck, presumably. The Raiders with Carr. That position already looks like it's going to be filled by uh, John Gruden. The Bears, an interesting guy in Mitchell Trubisky. And then the Cardinals and Giants, both teams without quarterbacks. But the Cards have David Johnson and what to this point has been a pretty tough defense and the giants have all of those receiving weapons that they could build around.
3: Yeah. I, I guess we should mention that um, there's been some turnover with the green Bay Packers and there's like the potential that Mike McCarthy might not be back, uh, which I think that would obviously jump up as the number one job if that were to happen. But um, yeah, I think the number one job that's still open because I'm assuming that the Raiders' job is going to be filled by John Gruden, I think is the Colts. Now, it's obviously really scary, and we have um, a really great article by by Dr. Jeff Budoff, who, is, you know, is saying that luck could not be out, of, might not be out of the woods yet in terms of his shoulder, and so that's a real issue. But if you just look at quarterback situation. Um, With the Lions, you have Stafford, but it seems like they're looking at a defensive coach um, and then potentially keeping Jim Bob Cooter around. So I don't know. Like, if you're a defensive coach, are you real excited about that setup plus a a defense that isn't that great? Um, And then the Bears, you have Trubisky, who's a total question mark. The Cardinals don't have a quarterback at all. The Giants, you know, benched Eli, brought him back. He's kind of a shell of what he once was so I mean I would take the upside bet on luck and if I was you know uh, a younger offensive minded coach who thought maybe I could get a, a second chance if luck isn't what he was or misses another season and I get fired as a result I mean I would take my upside shot if I thought that I could you know maybe get a a second head coaching job in five years or something, if it doesn't work out.
2: I'd agree. And I think this is a great year to be uh, one of these trendy candidates because unlike most seasons where the, the, the jobs come open because there are some real problems. You have terrible quarterback play or you just have a franchise in complete disarray. In 2018, we've got some teams that, that are pretty interesting. I think I would rate the Lions number one because Matthew Stafford, uh, he's just been doing a fantastic job carrying that team to around the 500 record. He protected his coaches there for as long as he possibly could just by, you know, with his physical performance and willing that team into a situation where they were competitive uh, despite having almost nothing other than him you know he he made Marvin Jones into a fantastic player this year he's been supporting Golden Tate he's been doing it all without a running game I think that if you have that franchise quarterback then that is a job that you really want and you know if you are one of these top defensive coordinators certainly Matt Patricia the Patriots defensive coordinator is is probably the front runner there if he ends up being interested I think the challenge of rebuilding that defense and knowing that you have Stafford to rely on uh, to bail you out in the interim that's going to be pretty intriguing but I really would like any of these jobs the Cardinals need a quarterback the Giants need a quarterback but there are a lot of interesting quarterbacks available this season so unless you have one guy that you want at QB and don't feel like you're in a position to really get to them, then those jobs are also pretty interesting with the giants. You know, you you're going to get to build around Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. So if you pick the right guy, you could be very good in a hurry there. And then obviously that, that raises your stature very quickly as a head coach.
3: Yeah. That's a great point about the giants going to be having a high draft pick because you know, the Eli sort of turns Eli into almost an asset. If he's able to, basically steer the ship for one year as you break in you know a new quarterback at the end of the year and and you know uh you're kind of you're kind of done a favor here by just the absolute uh mishandling of the eli benching um by bob mcadoo because you actually now if you do have a young quarterback that you want to bench eli for you don't have to worry about breaking a streak so you can kind of do it whenever it makes sense to do it and uh you know, you can thank Bob McAdoo for for stupidly doing it this year for for no reason at all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think actually that job is probably sneaky good. the The, the Cardinals' job really scares me because um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know as much about this quarterback class as you, but um, do you think they can kind of come out uh, with a with a potential franchise guy? Because you know, you're also probably losing Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and then the other thing with their defense is like, I'm always a little bit wary in the NFL of counting on a defense to stay good for like a while. So, you know, their defense has been good, but as we, uh, as we look like two years down the line, three years down the line, I don't know that you can count on that
2: well the cardinals will be a very interesting team to follow because they need a head coach in addition to needing the quarterback so they have a lot of moving pieces in the past we might have looked at bruce arians and said he prefers this kind of quarterback and so you know we're limited to the guys he might go for but we really don't know that with all the changes that are taking place there and so with the draft slot that they're going to have you know maybe you have these interesting guys in baker mayfield lamar jackson uh, riskier in terms of of size, perhaps, and, and having some more red flags, but also having some very interesting upside. At the same time, the Cardinals may be in position to you know look at someone like an Alex Smith if the Chiefs make him available. Looking at someone like a Tyrod Taylor, since the Bills, it, despite making the playoffs, look like they want to move on. So the Cardinals, with having a David Johnson, with having a defense that is probably playoff ready. They might be able to take a hybrid approach where they actually add a starting caliber veteran and an interesting, uh, not just developmental quarterback, but a a high ceiling potential quarterback early on. What do you
3: think about the Raiders job? Um, My feeling was that was probably the best job, um, but it's off the table. Do you think it was the best job? What do you think of the Gruden fit, assuming he does get the job Um, and just the situation overall?
2: that wouldn't have been my top choice although certainly there are some pieces there Derek Carr looked so poor this season and I don't and I don't think that's all on him obviously Amari Cooper had a terrible season and so there's a little bit of a chicken or the egg argument there Uh, Michael Crabtree also had sort of a stealth awful season and now there are reports that they're going to move on from him and so if you're looking at building a team with a couple of very talented defensive players but your offense is Derek Carr to Amari Cooper that doesn't look nearly as exciting as it did 12 months ago however John Gruden obviously one of the most exciting head coaches in a variety of ways and and the real question will be is he still that innovative mind is he still someone who is going to be on the forefront of things or during the time off has he let his previous ideas really solidify and not want to get off of those things, not want to adopt or adapt to a lot of the changes that we've seen in the NFL in the interim. Now, you know, you listen to his commentary, he's the best or or one of the best guys on TV, both in terms of the enthusiasm and then what he brings to the game in terms of talking about the X's and O's and, and what's going on there. And you get a sense that he will still bring that, innovative mind to the Raiders and and if he does I think it's very exciting but but certainly uh, you know anytime someone has been off for that long has had success you wonder if they'll be willing to really embrace new ideas and and do what needs to be done now as opposed to what they have done in the past
3: yeah I agree I think it'll be really interesting to see what Gruden has because I think in some ways you know he's just sort of like the offense that he's that he used to run is sort of a very kind of standard West coast style system. I, it's not, um, not all that exciting, um, potentially, but if he's been, uh, you know, drawing up new plays all these years and, and figuring out various things he wants to experiment with. And if that's part of what's leading him to come back and get a head coaching job again in the first place, then he could be one of the most, you know, exciting and innovative coaches that, That we have if he's been basically in the lab cooking stuff up that that no one's seen you know for a decade so and you know he was kind of a a young exciting coach uh there when he first came up with the Raiders and then obviously won a Super Bowl with the Bucks and kind of flamed out after that but certainly he'll have the potential for really strong quarterback play with Derek Carr so it's an exciting exciting matchup I, I think it'll be good to have him back in the league it'll just be kind of fun um, I'm always in favor of you know smart offensive coaches uh, added to the NFL. That's always a good thing in my book.
2: What do you think of the trendy uh, second chance coordinator guys who look like they will get an opportunity to show that they learned from the first time around, talking about Josh McDaniels and Pat Shermer?
3: Um, I would be – I don't know as much about – Shermer, but certainly what he's done with uh, with Case Keenum. And really, I mean, you know, Bradford looked like he was primed to have it too. And midseason, he's got to switch over to Keenum. It's not like he was prepping the offseason with Keenum. So I think what he's done this year has been incredibly impressive. And, um, you know, certainly I would be interested in, uh, if I had a team, I'd, he would be one of the guys I would be looking at for sure. Um, and Josh McDaniels, I think, is like – absolutely bring him in like I, I don't I think like oh yeah he I've talked about this before like he's I think it's obviously pretty clear that part of the reason he didn't work out in Denver was ego and um, I think probably he had too big of a role where he's kind of immediately involved in um, you know who they're drafting etc so but I you know that's what I want I want a guy who's an innovative offensive mind. Uh, in charge of the uh, in charge of the team, and McDaniel's is uh, like who, like who's got kind of more upside than McDaniel's if he's got his shit together now uh, as a, as a head coach. I would love to have Josh McDaniel's as my head coach. I think he's in a position where he can be very selective about what job he takes, um, and, and that's probably the biggest impediment to adding him um, if you're if you're a team. But if you're writing off Josh McDaniel's, I think you're you're making a big mistake
2: looking at that group as perhaps the most likely group, although certainly there are plenty of other contenders and the changes that teams are going to be making this off season. What do you think the fantasy repercussions are for some of the highest profile players uh, in this group? Teams changing head coaches, maybe start with golden Tate and Marvin Jones. You mentioned the possibility that they would maintain their coordinator, but if they have a defensive minded head coach, uh, regardless of whether they keep their coordinator is that going to be good for any of the players would uh, it would seem like a loss of volume certainly could be devastating for both golden Tate and Marvin Jones.
3: Yeah, I think they're, they are best off if the status quo is maintained to, you know, the extent that can occur when you lose your head coach. So basically if Jim Bob Cooter stays, I think they're in better shape than if he leaves. Um, I think one thing that everyone talks about with the lions is that they don't have a running game. Um, i guess my feeling on that is like i don't know if that's as big a problem as as some others might um i think it's probably like if they had this offense and a really good defense they'd be just fine even without the running game um but if you bring a defensive mining head coach like those guys generally want to be able to run the ball really well so that could be devastating for for tate and jones i think they have to be uh and if you own them in dynasty you you have to be praying right along with them that um that they re- retain Jim Bob Cooter or bring in an offensive minded head coach who's going to continue to rely on the passing game.
2: Yeah, you well know, they've they've talked already about wanting to bring in and improve their running back stable and and i think the thing that that brings to mind is what the seahawks did last year in adding eddie lacy and very quickly they found out that it wasn't the running backs that were the problem it was the offensive line doesn't provide really any opportunities any running lanes now they had a little bit of success with some guys way down the depth chart and i I think i would prefer the lions go that route as opposed to thinking they can fix the running back problem uh, purely by Bringing in one of these high-profile runners, especially because the team needs a lot of help. They they need a lot of work on that offensive line. They need a lot of help on defense. There, you mentioned excitement for Carr. Uh, Gruden going to quickly fix Derek Carr and Amari Cooper, or at least jump them back up to the level we saw previously to 2017.
3: Yeah, I think there's potential for that to happen. I, I'm definitely excited for Carr. Um, I just think it's good news for Carr. I don't, you know, it remains to be seen how big of a a positive boost this is for Carr but this is exactly the type of change that you're hoping for uh with Derek Carr I mean I, I Jack Del Rio is always he's just one of he's sort of on the list for me of guys where I'm just like skeptical like I feel like you're kind of holding your team back kind of the the Jeff Fisher John Fox list where you know I think I think uh John Gruden has potential to get more out of Derek Carr than we've seen certainly this year but but even overall, and then Amari Cooper, I don't know, Sean, like I'm starting to feel like, like, to be fair, we've never really seen what we've hoped to see from Amari Cooper. Um, you know, maybe if Crabtree leaves and, and Carr gets right and Cooper stops dropping everything, it could all come together. What are you, what are your uh, thoughts on Cooper?
2: I still go back to his college resume, his athleticism, those first two seasons in the NFL, um, and, you know, you look at the last couple of weeks and even limited, he's had those long touchdowns. Now he needs a lot more volume. He needs a lot more uh, routes and targets in areas of the field that can be high value and, you know, really have him be the focal point of the offense. If we uh, are going to see him jump to the level that many of us hope for, but even in a disaster of a season this year, and, and there's really no, <laughs> no other way to look at it when you, you have that. Picture of unmitigated disaster. I mean, it's it's Amari Cooper right there. But you know, there still have been a few positive signs. He still is that athlete, elite athlete, and I think that that's one of the the things that people forget or uh, overlook with him. You know, he's he's faced plenty of skeptics right along the way because he doesn't leap, but everything else he does athletically extremely well. So I think Gruden will put him in a position where it's not this contested catch or this going up to make this incredible play in the air and will instead uh, pepper him with so many of the targets where, you know, he just has to separate catch and go. And so there's nowhere to go, but up for both of these guys. And I think we'll see them go up. The question is just how far they're able to rise.
1: Let's touch
3: on David Johnson briefly um, who I think, you know, as opposed to Carr and Cooper uh, Bruce Aaron's departing opens up a lot of downside risk for, for Johnson um he loses his quarterback and Palmer he loses kind of the the total blueprint of the offense with Arians leaving uh it's possible probably not likely but it's possible you know the the next coach won't want to utilize Johnson quite as heavily um what do you think you know how bad could it get for Johnson you know how uh, how risky exactly is this situation now for Johnson um especially as it applies to kind of his dynasty value which you know is off the the heights of preseason but you know he's still an absolutely premium dynasty asset and then you kind of alluded to this already but could maybe this situation stabilize in a way um you know stabilize more quickly as in everything's good enough around Johnson to where he can be productive in 2018 and and it's actually and he's and he does just fine so like where do you kind of see this situation going here
2: well, in terms of how bad it could get, it could obviously get very, very bad. We talk a lot about running backs who are game script independent, and Johnson definitely fits that category. One of the exciting things about him last year, you know, beyond just the, the pure point totals, was that he was being used so heavily in both the running game and the passing game. He had double-digit expected points as a runner, double-digit expected points as a receiver, and then... You know he's he's a huge physical talent, and so he's able to capitalize on those expected points. On the other hand, just because someone is game script independent doesn't mean that they're total situation independent and if If anyone ever doubted that, we got the clearest example that you'll ever get this season with Todd Gurley, where you have someone with a profile that is game script independent, but the difference between him this year and last year. Um, you know you're talking about the least efficient running back in the nfl and then one of the greatest fantasy forces we've ever seen so it could get bad for johnson if he falls into a situation that is more like what todd Gurley had to deal with pre-2017 that being said I, i don't think that's actually what's going to happen because the cardinals do have plenty of paths to replacing the quarterback position with someone who is at least competent and then when you look at the level that Carson Palmer has been playing at for the last three or four years. I don't know that that is a level that's going to be that difficult to reach. Now, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to undervalue or understate just the importance of even mediocre starting NFL quarterbacks. And certainly, you know, when the cards have to go to Blaine Gabbert or Drew Stanton, you see that difference. But, you know, Carson Palmer is not the type of quarterback who single-handedly was putting a running back constantly in the red zone, constantly at the goal line where they could score points. So uh, if the Cardinals are able to, to fix their situation, get a a competent starting quarterback, I think David Johnson with his talent level, with his hybrid uh, flexible profile, will be able to maintain most of that fantasy value. All
3: right. One last situation, the bears Um, we have Mitch Trubisky uh, potentially benefiting Tariq Cohen as well. What do you think uh, the upside is for these guys?
2: Well, Trubisky is definitely an intriguing player. He's he's in that class of quarterbacks now that looks like they could all end up being stars. He's got that cannon for an arm. And even in the context of a very difficult offensive situation, he certainly flashed at times this year. The person I'm really interested in is Cohen. You you have what promises to be a, a somewhat difficult timeshare there with Jordan Howard and they probably will limit each other's upside, but both of those guys have the potential to be very exciting fantasy players since they both have a little bit of dual threat ability. Obviously Howard more the early down bruiser, but a guy who can catch some passes. And then Cohen, you know, hopefully he doesn't get pigeonholed as as simply a receiver because we've seen him take handoffs and go, you know, 40, 50 yards in a blanket. That could be a very exciting offense. Do you have um, an outlook for either of those guys, any other players on the Bears you think could benefit from a coaching change?
3: Yeah, I think um, I, I definitely agree with Cohen. I think Cohen's really exciting um, under the right circumstances. And basically those circumstances are uh, a good a good offensive coach who realizes that, you know, having a space back like Cohen is a, is a, real, a real asset. Um, and I don't think be, you have to even be that good of an offensive coach to realize that so um if they get in someone who's going to utilize Cohen more I'm really excited about him particularly because I don't think his price in redraft or in dynasty will really be that high so uh he's definitely he sort of immediately goes on the zero running back watch list wouldn't you say
2: I think so and, and, and I'd be interested to see what his ADP ends up being in different formats because he just he had so many wild plays that you think of uh, some of the the runners who have parlayed maybe a similar skill set into top fantasy finishes people like Duran Sproles obviously and then i don't know that he is quite as far away from the the alvin Kamara, christian mccaffrey level as as it might seem on the surface, although, again, I mean, you're, you're talking about the limitations of, of playing with Howard. I don't know that too many people can do what Kamara did with Mark Ingram there to also siphon touches.
3: Yeah, and the one last guy on the Bears, I mean, if Cameron Meredith came back healthy, I guess he could be, uh, you know, certainly that, uh, you know, the number one option for Trubisky next year. Uh, any interest in him?
2: I think so. I, I have him stashed on a few teams, and and really, we just I, this maybe is the team that the coach will determine more than any others where they go going forward because they have a lot of things that need to be addressed, and they really need to have that McVeigh type of coach who really turns everything around. And there are some guys out there who potentially fit that template, but uh, the Bears more than other teams, they have so much at risk and so much riding on this coaching hire.
3: Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get to our interview with Blair Andrews on Twitter at am I the real Blair? Um, and we're going to be talking uh, to him about his uh, his recent article looking at rookie running backs as it relates to zero running back. Um, and before we do that, though, just want to remind you you can get a listeners only thirty percent discount to a road of his NFL pass through the road of his podcast homepage roadofhis slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it'll help support the podcast. Uh, You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating our Rotovis radio channel or Rotovis football uh, show channel on iTunes, Uh, and you can always contact us as well on Twitter at Rotovis Radio or via email, RotavizRadio at gmail.com. All right, let's get to our interview with Blair. Please welcome the show, Blair Andrews. You can follow on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. He's a writer for RotoViz and co host of the RotoViz Report uh, on RotoViz Radio. Blair,
4: thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, well, for those who aren't familiar with Blair, and I obviously come at this from a very biased perspective, but Blair is one of my favorite authors, not just at roto but across the entire fantasy community. And I asked him before the season to write an article called The Wrong Read in which he um, listened to the various podcasts, which you know, Blair is very involved in the podcast. And so that's, that's part of what he does. And then write something that is related to that so instead of a summary Blair is actually taking the podcast material and then doing these enhancement articles that I found are some of the best articles we have on the site just recently he wrote a piece talking about how rookie running backs were the key to zero running back this year so that ties into a few other things we wanted to talk about so we've got Blair on tonight to talk about the article and Blair let's start with your Note in the piece that rookie running backs had more top-scoring games than any other cohort this season. What did you mean by that, and what are the ramifications for fantasy owners?
4: Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for those kind words. Um, so actually, Anthony Amico did a piece in the off-season. It was kind of along the same lines. He was just looking at, uh, for best ball, you want high-scoring weeks, and, uh, you know, the consistency doesn't really matter. So he's kind of measuring which positions had the most high scoring weeks. Um, and then he was on uh, re- a recent episode of the Highlight Reel to talk about that. So that's kind of what prompted me to dig into this a little bit. But um, So, yeah, anyway, I'm looking at uh, the top, mm, about the top 300, I think, um, scoring weeks on the season. So basically I looked at, how each position performed how many top games they had and it broke it out by the number of years they played just because you know anecdotally it seems like this was a year when a lot of rookie running backs had some big games Alvin Kamara obviously was huge Kareem Hunt was huge at the beginning of the year um that seemed kind of unusual so I was kind of more just curious if uh there was anything to that and it turns out that rookie running backs uh basically that cohort if you were running back and you were a rookie you, you that was you were the most likely to have one of these uh top 300 scoring weeks uh so they accounted for not quite 25 i think uh top top five weeks and uh i think the next next highest was i don't know qbs who had been in the league six years or something uh but it was quite a bit quite a ways behind so yeah just. Uh really interesting finding i don't know if there's actually much actionable about that to be honest um it could have been kind of an outlier year uh kind of felt that way uh so yeah, I don't know it was just a really interesting uh result
2: well, it was certainly an unusual year, but we had Brian Malone on the show recently, and he wrote an article we talked about a little bit about how rookie running backs perform well during playoff time. And so perhaps if you're in a different sort of league, you might actually want to target rookies when, you know, most of the conventional wisdom is that rookies tend to be overvalued in the fantasy leagues. When you combine what you found and this particular idea of the rookie running backs performing late, do you see this as being a one-year aberration or would this rookie running back group be something you wanted to target not only perhaps in best ball, but also other formats?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would want to obviously, you know, look into it a little bit more, although, I mean, you know, we've seen rookie running backs come on real later in the year. Yeah, exactly. Like Brian said. So, um, you know, David Johnson, obviously in uh, his rookie year was huge at the end of the year. Um, and rookie running backs i mean are always it's the position i guess this is maybe i don't know a little bit um cliche people say it all the time i don't know how true it is but um rookie you know running back is i guess the maybe the easiest position to learn or something in the nfl it's just uh the easiest position to come in and contribute right away as a rookie so uh yeah there could be something to that as a trend um going into 2018 i mean you know best ball drafts have started up already although I don't think you can draft any college players in them yet but going into 2018 I am uh, definitely looking into that more and and uh, strongly considering focusing on rookie running backs later in drafts not only in best ball leagues but yeah probably in all formats
3: Jeremy McNichols takes a little bit of issue with uh with you saying (laughs) how easy it is to learn the running back position but um one thing that I think is interesting about uh, you know, this analysis in your article at, and also just kind of uh, what we can take about this going forward is that, you know, even in a big year for running backs, um, you know, the ones that we even a big year for for kind of the high uh, valued uh, rookie running backs, the ones everyone expected to do well, did, in fact, for the most part, do very well, like uh, a Leonard Fournette, um, you, Christian McCaffrey, but uh, but even in that year, it wasn't just those guys who did well. So, um, you know, Sean had uh, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara on the zero running back watch list. So um, I guess what what I guess one of the things that kind of jumps out is that from your article is that it's not like you have to target the kind of the hyped rookie running backs that you're going to have to take in the early rounds. You can kind of pepper your later picks with some rookie running backs and still get that same upside potentially, like we saw this year, with Hunt and Kamara, who were, you know, absolute league winners. Depending on when when you drafted Hunt, if you were able to get him, you know, before the Thursday night game, or even before Spencer Ware went down, you know, an absolute league winner is a later round pick. Yeah, this year. that's
4: exactly right. And I mean, just to add to those names, there's even you can think of guys like uh, both the Green Bay running backs, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, were even later picks. Uh, you know, Cory Clement had some top weeks. Dante Foreman had at least one top week, Tariq Cohen, Austin Eckler, even, who was you know basically unheard of before the season. These guys weren't even drafted in a lot of leagues, so you know, if you're, you get to the end of your draft and you have you know you're taking flyers anyway, uh, these rookie running backs might uh, have more value, definitely more upside than uh, probably we normally think.
2: Larry, you also had a, another interesting article recently where you talked about analyzing what happened in a season and how difficult that is. And that one of the things you can do to help yourself with that difficulty is to assume that anything you did well was luck and anything that you did poorly was the result of poor decision making. And then if you look at it through that lens, it might help you focus in on really trying to develop areas you can get better i bring that up because zero running back tends to be a very controversial topic and one of the things i always tell people is i'm not pushing anyone to use that technique but i think it's out there for people who can use it well and who are using it in a way where it actually gives them an advantage to where they need fewer things to go right and i've used zero running back the last three years in the MFL 10 of death put together by Pat Thorman with um, a great group of guys who yeah, are among my favorites in the industry. It's, it's a fun league to play. And I've used zero running back in it. Each of the last three seasons and finished first, second and first. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that because that's obviously luck, right? But looking at it in the lens of zero running back, we had this idea of, okay, 2015 was a very good year for zero running back. 20 16 was a very poor year. And then this last year, I think, was more of an average type of year, even though it's somewhat controversial within the context of Todd Gurley Mm -hmm. being such a league winner. But the thing that I think is interesting is that it puts you in a situation where you don't need as many things to go right. And there's, there's also discussions about what really counts as your running back, but you can't really wait a long time. Well, for this particular league, I didn't draft a running back until round 10 and that was Kareem Hunt. That was after five wide receivers, two tight ends, and two quarterbacks. And just with that pick, within the context of those other players, I had such a huge advantage. Now, that ties into this idea of your article, and I think, again, this idea of understanding where you actually want to have a lot of predictability and where you might take more chaos and trying to benefit from that chaos. So we hear people talk a lot about players who have a small range of outcomes and players who have a large range of outcomes and labeling those things good or bad, depending on that person's view of how you play fantasy football. But I think that that is perhaps too simplistic. What we really want to know is what areas of a draft do we want to have small ranges of outcomes and which areas we want to have large ranges of outcomes. And That's interesting to me in terms of the article that you wrote because the idea of zero running back is to get the small range of outcomes players early and then to get the larger range of outcomes players late. And rookie running backs are going to be great examples of this large range of outcomes because number one, they're rookies. We don't know how they're going to adjust to the NFL. We don't know if these college stars are really going to make the transition. And then just with the running back position, in particular, you have so much movement during the course of the season. Would would you say that that's a, an accurate picture of what's happening and what you were looking at? Or is that sort of trying to force this idea and this justification for zero running back into what just happened in this particular year?
4: Uh, no, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, I... And reminded me of something I read. I think Jonathan Bales wrote it in maybe one of his books. He talks about how, uh, he, you, you know, when you do well in fantasy, you're definitely, it, it's definitely, uh, do a lot in to luck. But, uh, you know, if you're good at it, if you're, you know, putting in the work, you can put yourself in positions to benefit from, from luck, uh, in ways that other people can't. And so, yeah, I think, you know, a focus on rookie running backs where late in drafts where you are trying to, uh, yeah, trying to use uncertainty to, um, to your benefit, I think definitely puts you in a position to, you know, for, you know, things to break your way, I guess.
2: Before we let you go, give us, give us your favorite, uh, wrong read of the season and maybe what you're looking at coming up.
4: Huh. Uh, Hmm yeah i mean this one on rookie running backs was uh a lot of fun to a lot of fun to write i also did one earlier in the season uh kind of uh it's kind of a mid-season or mid to late season uh kind of look back at what had gone on with the running back and wide receiver (coughs) scoring the title of that was is zero rb dead uh kind of clickbaity but um yeah, that one got a lot of discussion on the forums, so that was a that was a fun one to write and to continue to talk about. Um, so yeah, and then I don't know as far as looking forward, uh, I'm hoping to write a lot more about some prospects, I guess. But it's uh, you know hard to predict what. Uh, kind of in the nature of the case of this article, it's just hard to <laughs> hard to predict where it's gonna go. So.
3: All right, well, uh, Blair, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone make sure to follow Blair on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, Uh, And check out his, his future articles and check out some of the Wrong Read uh, articles as well. Great pieces. Blair, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for listening to Rotovis Radio, the flagship Rotovis podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotovis Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter, at rotavizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com slash radio.
0: third they call you the grill master you've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end
1: September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.